Welcome back to the In The Lead Show. My name is Jennifer Sang, and you're listening to episode number 31. In today's episode, I talked to Andy McDowell about how to find the win-win. Andy is an engineer by trade and a creative by nature. He spent 22 years with the Boeing company where he always felt more like a life coach than a boss. In 2002, he began his journey into entrepreneurship and within a corporation when he was asked to develop an airspace design consulting business from scratch that would serve the global government market. Andy has a bachelor's degree from Georgia Tech in electrical engineering and a master's degree in computer information systems from Georgia State. Naturally, his aviation work took him around the world and enabled him to work on high-profile projects such as preparing the Beijing and Sochi airports for their respective Olympic Games. Andy would love to have a conversation with you about how we might be able to use his strategic skills developed from his years with the Boeing company to generate your value in your personal and professional life. He has a keen sense for applying business concepts into life coaching and life coaching concepts into business. In today's conversation, um, we do kind of span the gamut of, you know, how to incorporate business concepts, as well as life concepts into how you can approach finding that win-win because in every aspect of our life, it is so important that we find that common ground so that we can make progress and reduce some of the friction and maybe some of the issues that we see that come up in the workplace and within our own relationships. Like, can we take that step back? And that's where the In The Lead podcast, I think, blends nicely with this topic is because I'm always talking about how do we develop ways to take that step back and develop a deeper sense of self so that we can help manage, regulate, govern ourselves in a better way so that we can show up in a better way in conversations, in relationships. And this was a great conversation with Andy, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. So welcome to the show. Thank you for listening to the In The Lead show. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and check out the In The Lead newsletter. Every week I send out mindfulness and leadership tips to help you become the best leader of you. See the show notes for a link to subscribe to the newsletter or go to www.intheleadshow.com and subscribe there. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the In The Lead show. My name is Jennifer Sang, and I'm here today with Andrew McDowell, who is a life leadership and small business coach to talk about the importance of the win-win. Welcome to the show. Uh, Great to be here with you, Jennifer, and uh, I appreciate the invite. Yeah. So before we get started into like the importance of finding the win-win in, you know, situations or everyday life and business, I would love to know a little bit more about you. So who is Andrew? Uh, so obviously an entrepreneur, um, who's had a unique journey from the perspective of, I start off as an employee of an entrepreneur, uh, then that company got bought by a major corporation. They got to become an entrepreneur within a corporation, uh, to now, um, an entrepreneur standing by myself, uh, so to speak in my own business. So I've seen a lot of the different facets, if you will, or different forms of which entrepreneurship can, um, can occur. And I think I, because of that can bring a unique or somewhat unique, um, viewpoint or experience, um, to a client. 
awesome. from a coaching perspective. Yeah, that's awesome. And before we started recording today, we were talking about the importance of self and how that is such an important component that oftentimes gets overlooked, especially in coaching or in a lot of parts in life. We just want to kind of get to the the end goal. Like, what are we trying to fix? What are we trying, problem are we trying to solve? But we don't really often take the time to really look at that self. So when you're talking about like the win-win, what part of self do you see in that? Uh, well, two things. One, one is what do I need from a business perspective out of um, a teammate? Uh, whether it be within a conversation or by their performance or what activities they've been hired to do from that perspective, but also what, what do I need for myself as a human being, as a leader, uh, in, in whatever type of engagement I, I have with the person I'm talking to or engaging with. So there's, there's a leader hat as a leader of the business. And then there's also a personal hat um, as a leader perspective to understand, am I looking for increase in trust? Am I looking for increase in credibility? Am I looking for vulnerability or transparency out of the person uh, that's on the other side of the table from me, um, so to speak. That's what I I need, but at the same time, I can be empathetic and understanding to understand what the person on the other side of the table needs. So yeah. A lot of which is probably the same as I. Yeah, or it couldn't be. I mean, you know, I see that a lot and it. it sounds like what you're talking about is projection and what I've noticed, at least it's true for me. And I've seen with clients that I've worked with is that we're often kind of projecting out our needs onto others. So mm -hmm. it may not be actually what is needed in the moment for that win-win, or it might not even be what's needed for the other person. It's really just my own kind of internal need, whatever that is, um, whether it's trust or, um, you know, you mentioned transparency, safety, Whatever that is that I need right now, I'm constantly kind of projecting that out to other people and in, in seeking that in return, because there's something internally that's either, you know, wounded or, you know, damaged, or we're seeking something. It isn't always what's necessarily needed for that, that win-win to occur or for that win-win for the other side, for the other person. But generally, when you're trying to project something, you're trying to gain some control over the situation, right? You're looking for a specific outcome and you're doing what you think you can do or control from your perspective to make sure you get that outcome. Um, and, and that's why I'm just a big proponent of introspection of leaders and making sure you're not projecting if you are projecting, it's a projecting a sense of love and care and empathy and so forth, as opposed to um, you've got pains or hurts or traumas that you've had in your life, and therefore you need a sense of control, you have a sense of fear, um, you might be triggered in the conversation and so forth, and now all of a sudden you're projecting those onto the other person or in the conversation uh, in an inappropriate way in an effort to get a desired outcome as opposed to truly finding that win-win. Yeah. And what does that win-win look like to you? I know you mentioned you've 
worked inside of a big corporation before you've been an entrepreneur, like in all of your experiences, like how would you describe or define what a win-win actually is? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's different for every business and every, uh, uh, for every person. Right. So do you understand what motivates the person on the other side? Do you understand what their life objectives or their career objectives are? Um, have you had those type of conversations? So, you know, what the win looks like for the person on the other side. Um, if you can't picture that in your head, then you have a hard time visualizing how the conversation is going to go or what a win-win looks like. I mean, that's why, you know, I decided early on in my career that I would treat myself more like a life coach as opposed to a boss. You know, how we sort of have the connotation of what boss is from that perspective. It's full of authority, um, accountability, responsibility, and so forth. And that's why I get paid when I get paid. And therefore, my win is only on that side. And it really doesn't matter what happens on the other side, as long as you're helping me to be the boss from that perspective. Or when you have a new teammate that comes on early on in your first conversations, are you truly understanding, or even in the interview process, uh, what are their career aspirations? What value it's from their skills and talents that they bring to the table. And there's all of that uh, in your mind as you're having a conversation and truly can get um, a win-win for both of you. Yeah. Or is and it going to be a win-lose if you start projecting fears and don't understand those things about the individuals that's on the other side of the table? Yeah. And, you know, a win to me also, it feels almost like a moving target. It's interesting to me when somebody describes a win in air quotes, like, what does that really mean to me? Um, because even, and I'll use my sports analogies because I just, I'm a, I love sports, but even when I was playing sports and we would win a game, like there's still another game, right? And even if the objective or the goal for the team or myself was let's win it all, let's win the championship. You still have to reset every year, every game. Mm-hmm. So the wins to me feel like they're almost kind of this moving target or it almost feels more fluid where it's not necessarily a, always a fixed thing, but it's, for me, it almost feels like it's almost more like a mindset. It's like you said, what I heard you saying was curiosity is a skill in when you're trying to create those win-win kind of scenarios. It also feels like balance. It feels like when we're in that zone of that win-win, you're winning, I'm winning, we're in balance and we're in sync and it's not imbalanced because I'm not projecting, right. Or I'm not, um, trying to coerce you or force you to have an opinion or whatever I'm trying to do. It, it feels like there's this partnership and there's this balance that's there just naturally when you're trying to create that win-win. And for me, it feels rooted in a mindset. Yeah, I would agree. And I would also say there's different layers, right? So Mm -hmm. Um, going back to your sports analogy, there's um, a, w- a win for an individual. I played well, I scored some goals, or I got some home runs, whatever the sport may be. Um, I contributed to the team. There's the team wins. You know, did the team win or did the team lose? Um, that's at the very surface level, but you can go layers down underneath that to um, – 
say, did the team play well together? Or, or, or was it all one person that scored all the goals and they did all the work and the team just sort of stood around, mm-hmm. so to speak? Um, you know, how well did they function together? Um, obviously, there's no such thing as a perfect game, so mistakes were made. Um, you get a win out of the mistakes if you learned a lesson and have some growth or improvement uh, so that you make less amount of mistakes or no mistakes at all at the next game or the next season, depending on the time frame or the scope that you're looking at. So it, it's there's, there's a little bit more complexity to it than just the win-loss column from that perspective. And are you being, like you said, the mindset, are you being mindful that it is complex in many layers and you're looking at all aspects of this um, as opposed to just a straight, we do what it takes to win. Yeah. But I had had someone on the show recently who played soccer in college and he was talking about how it didn't really matter. Like when you're getting scouted in high school, if you are a really good player, um, if your team is terrible and you guys aren't working well together and like, let's say you're like a ball hog and you just want to score all the goals. Mm-hmm. Um, the scouts aren't going to be looking at you, right? Because they want to see not only what are your skills, what are, you know, what are the natural things that you bring to the table and what can you do, but how do you bring other people together? Like, because especially in team sports and in any organization, any business, that's the name of the game. Like, it doesn't matter if you have 10 LeBron Jameses on your team, if they can't all work together well, you're never going to win. Like that's just a truth. And I think you're right. It is a layered approach and it's not simple. That's why I'm saying it almost feels like it's fluid. It's a, like, it's constantly moving and changing because there is that together piece because it's not a straight, like if it were just me and I could just control me, I could probably do more with, you know, helping me get towards those goals or making those changes. But when you're dealing with multiple people, different backgrounds, personalities, experiences, I mean, it it can be really challenging to find that win-win, especially if it's a really triggering situation. Um, And I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Like, let's say you're in, like, let's say you're in the workplace and you're on a team where there's someone who you just don't get along with and you can't find that common ground. You can't find that win-win. Like, how are we both going to be successful here? What are some things do you think that get in people's way from being able to kind of transcend that or be able to bring that other person together to the table to create it? Well, well, part of his, um, one of the words you used was um, success. So how do you define success for your team, for the individual, for the leader, for the company uh, or the sports team or whatever? And are you having conversations around that? You know, is it um, you're working a major project, um, certain revenue goals, expense goals, and is success just the fact you completed the project, you completed it on time and um, came in under budget or at budget and we made the profit that we were shooting for? Is that the sole definition of success? Or are there other things involved like, well, it's the first time we used a new technology in this project. And now um, 
one of our goals and to be successful in this is to learn and understand about the new technology, try our best to apply it to the project and get results for the customer. But even if we fall a little bit short of that, if we gain a lot of experience using this new technology, that's a huge success for us. So for me, a lot of it is, is being, once again, open, transparent, having a conversation um, with a whole team involved as to this is what success looks like for us. And it's not just about money. Does everybody feel like they contributed to it? Do we know everybody's roles that are in it? Uh, we're using a new technology. Are we gaining experience that we feel like we can then build upon in other projects and get more and more expertise with it? And therefore, it takes us less time to use this technology in the project. To me, that's what success, success in the success, if you will, is having that conversation up front and having alignment and agreement amongst everybody involved. This is what success looks like. And this is what we're shooting for. Yeah. It feels like oftentimes what I see to in organizations is an element of vulnerability that I think some people are afraid of because in order to get that alignment, sometimes you're going to have to deal with people who don't agree or people who have really strong personalities or people who are having a reaction because maybe it's referencing some trauma or something they had when they were a child. I mean, you never know. And I think having the courage and vulnerability, um, I feel like is a really important component that a lot of times I think we kind of gloss over because it can be uncomfortable for some people mm -hmm. to lean into that, especially if it's really, um, like if emotions are high and, you know, people are having really strong reservations or reactions, it's about having the courage to really be vulnerable and be in that discomfort for a little bit, because getting to that alignment sometimes isn't easy, right? Like that would be easy if we could all just go oh, here, you know, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. And now, you know what you're going to do. And we just go off and have blah, dee, dee until we get there. And then it's done. Like, at least from my experience working in big company, that's not how it always goes. That's what we, how we want it to go. But that element of vulnerability and that courage piece, I think is a big component that we miss a lot. I would totally agree with you. It's a hard work. It's, it's difficult to be uh, vulnerable and admit either mistakes or um, don't quite have the expertise in that particular area, or I made a mistake. Um, I shouldn't have, I, I know better, but it's having a bad day and I made a mistake or whatever mm -hmm. from that perspective and be vulnerable. Um, one-on-one -on -one with your leader, but also with the rest of the team to say, I'll be vulnerable and say, Hey, I feel like I let you guys down. I didn't do as good a job as I expected for myself in this. And I feel like I let you down. Just want to let you know that I, I learned a valuable lesson from it and going to do better next time from that perspective to have that courage and vulnerability and say things like that just strengthens the team, strengthens the trust amongst the team. They know that you're in it to win it. Um, you know, that you're present, if you will, within the project per se. And even though mistakes were made in the long run, you're going to have a much more successful team 
um, in the end by being able to be vulnerable, have that emotional safety, if you will, amongst the team in one-on-one with your leader, uh, which to me is a huge item that the leader should be bringing to the team is a creation of a culture and emotional safety to have those type of conversations. It's hard work, but it's worth it in the end. And the question is, are you willing as a leader and is your team willing to have that kind of culture environment and those kinds of conversations? Yeah. Yeah. Andy, I love how you, how you put that because I've seen that a lot because, and I've also, I've thought about this working in a really large organization before I thought, okay, so every year we have new goals and new, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of vision for the organization. And we spent the last year, I mean, just really grinding through everything just to get that done. And now you're telling us today, oh, well now the, now we have a new goal. This is our new vision for this year. I thought, wow, we just spent all that time over the last year, like resolving conflicts, burnout, like all the things fighting fires left and right. And now we have a new goal. And I thought, what would happen if I just wasn't as like attached to whatever that end goal is? Like would I have had a more peaceful experience for myself, not getting so stressed, not getting burned out, not being so like crazy. Cause I've actually been in situations where like I was so intense and so stressed about a situation that it actually started affecting me, my health. And I was like, that is not, So it almost sounds like to me, instead of hyper-focusing always on the end result, it's also about those little moments you were talking about, right? Having the courage to have those conversations, being vulnerable, acknowledging and really building that culture, because no matter where that win, that next win we're looking for comes from, it's going to be rooted in that. It's going to be rooted in that culture and how healthy your people are, your organization, your, just all of it is what's going to really fuel you to that next win or whatever that next goal is. And I think it can be a great foundation for creating more of those win-win experiences where we feel we're in balance and we're, we're all healthy and thriving. And are you after a project having post-project reviews Mm -hmm. and conversations? Um, What went well? What didn't go well? And you're allowing input from every team member. You know, Sally, what, your opinion, what did things go well? What didn't go well? Okay, thank you, Sally. John, what did you think went well? What didn't go well? Uh, if From an overall team perspective and from your role perspective um, in the team. And are you hearing any common themes in that discussion around the table? Those are obviously the low hanging fruit you can go after um, to try and alleviate those concerns going into the next project, particularly if a lot of people put a lot of hard work and a lot of stress and everything into it. If that's the case, are you having a conversation in that post-project review to understand why was there a lot of stress? Um, bad expectations, not enough budget. Um, I mean, it's probably a list of 10 different things that cause stress in the project. And are you, um, throwing those on the table in the discussion and say, um, 
we got to do it better next time. So how can we change our processes? How can we change our roles? How can we change our team members? What are the things that we could do to um, reduce or totally eliminate that in the next project? And, and in doing so, you create a culture of continuous improvement. You know, each project is not an end all to end all. It's about the journey of the team. And how can we have a culture of continuous improvement? Uh, keep collecting those data points, if you will, after the end of a project so we can change our environment, our culture, our processes, our people, our training, anything of that nature that's gonna then allow us to do it better, hopefully perfect, but if you can't have perfection, then something that was better than the last project and see this as a, as a, as a journey of, you know, a, a trajectory of continuous improvement. Yeah. I know we're talking about kind of in the, the business sense and around projects, but I feel like that is also applicable to life in general. Right. I mean, just having again, that <laughs> mindset, right. To continuously Absolutely. improve. And I always say, and I don't know how you feel about this Andy, but I always tell people, look, like, especially in really high stress situations, like at work, if you have to make really big decisions or bring a big team together, you're having a lot of problems practice when it doesn't count. So for instance, are there things in your life that you want to improve? Look for opportunities just in your everyday life, out walking your dog out, you know, at the store, your, whatever it is that you want to work on, start practicing then so that when you get into those moments where there's a lot of stress and you've got to be on you can shift into that more naturally instead of waiting. I find like there's a lot of leaders that I've worked with who say like, oh, well, that's not natural to me. I'm like, okay, well, if it's not natural right now, what are some things you can start doing to make it become more natural? Because it's only not unnatural because you're, you're not used to doing it. So it's just like basketball shooting, spent so many hours in the gym, shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. And then you were practicing and preparing yourself for when it counted in the game. So it's also, I think I want to shift into, I think building skills around this, but I feel like it's something that, you know, you have to constantly, you know, look at, improve, learn from tweak. Like it's not a like light switch. Hey, now we're going to be this new team and I'm going to be this new person. Find little moments that you can practice every day and prepare yourself for when you're then in those moments that it really matters. So a key, a key ingredient to that particular piece is once again, being introspective and know the things mm -hmm. that um, either consider a weakness for yourself or not as strong as you'd like it to be. You could, you could be fairly strong in something, but you want it to be even stronger. And so, you know, what I help my clients do, and it's a big part of my platform is, is the fact that, the overlap between life and business is very strong. So you can use business strategic tools in developing a life strategy for yourself of which anything that you're weak in or just sort of strong in you want to strengthen. What's a program that you can put together for yourself to go make it stronger in those little moments? Because it's always in the, the forefront of your brain because it's part of your life strategy and you're going to grab hold, if you will, of every opportunity, no matter how big or small, to work on that. Yeah. yeah. You know, so maybe vulnerability is a problem for you. So 
you know, maybe used to walk, walk up to a friend, they go, how's your day going? You go, fine. Okay, well, let's, let's try being a little bit more vulnerable in that. Okay, how's, how's your day going, Andy? Uh, uh, pretty good. You know, I had a, a, a kind of a hard conversation with my father on the phone this morning over a particular issue. But for the most part, my day's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, okay. So day's pretty good. And you were vulnerable enough to say I had a, I had a difficult conversation with my father on the yeah. phone this morning. For, for whatever the discussion was, it doesn't matter. But the fact that you sort of peeled that onion back a little bit on part of your day you know and, and this is just an easy example it's an everyday kind of example but it's those kind even those small kinds of opportunities to be a little bit more in depth if you will in a simple dialogue like that there's mm-hmm. a great chance to practice it and get comfortable with it before you really have to have a a hard vulnerable conversation whether it be with a spouse or a boss or a loved one or whatever it may be. Uh, But once again, you got to understand that about yourself. You want, you have to say, I want it to be different from myself and I need to put a strategy together. um, Simple or, or, or complex doesn't matter. Depends what you're willing to handle um, in changing that and strengthening that, that muscle per se in your life. Yeah. I, so what I'm hearing you say is actually, I have these four C's of leadership that I think about a lot. One of them is conscientiousness. So it's about being mm-hmm. more mindful, noticing, understanding yourself, being Empathetic. curious, right? Being curious with yourself and with others. Um, but then the other component is commitment. Like how committed are you to this? Mm-hmm. Is this something, you know, are you just gonna do once and then expect a change? Um, so really developing that commitment and really having a very strong mindset towards this is something I'm going to focus on every day, but then you got to be consistent with it. It's not, mm-hmm. again, going back to my analogy with basketball, you have a bad game or you, you're not, you know, you just go through these funks. I don't know if you played sports, but I remember going through these funks where it was like, all of a sudden I just couldn't make a shot. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm doing everything the same. It just doesn't feel right. You life kind of ebbs and flows that way. But the more you can be consistent, the more you can kind of ride those waves a little bit easier so that when you're going through those, you're not in these like giant waves that are like 10 feet tall and you're doing really well and then crashing. You want to stay kind of like able to float on the surface a bit to be able to kind of endure life's just natural way of kind of nudging you along the way and not kind of keeping you off balance. How can you kind of remain a little bit more consistent that way? So I love what you were saying. Again, it goes back to me. I hear just it starts with self and having, um, some skills. So I'm curious, I want to know what you think as far as like, what are some skills that you think people can develop to create more of that win-win? Um, grit, resilience, um, not needing to be perfect. I don't know that's considered a skill, but it's, um, you know, as, as you were talking with your sports analogy, what came to mind in my own personal life. So I've been a singer since I was a teenager and decided I wanted to expand my um, music abilities. So I made a commitment to myself. If I go buy a guitar, I'm going to commit 10 minutes a day, no matter how bad I sound, Mm 
I'm going to have the grit and the resilience and so forth to keep playing it at least 10 minutes a day to improve my skills, much like you go on a basketball court and shoot 50 balls every day um, to get used to the patterns or, or um, uh, muscle memory or whatever the skill it's necessary for the sport or the instrument or whatever, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish uh, to get yourself to a point. And um, I was successful in that. I'm now a rhythm guitarist in a praise band at my church. Um, I sounded awful in the very beginning. <laughs> but what, but what, what was important was the commitment, was the 10 minutes um, and having realistic expectations. Uh, I know I'm going to sound awful in the beginning, but that's okay. It's a journey. It's a journey to learn, learn the guitar. It's a journey to get very good and successful and have skills uh, on the sports field. So what are the important skills for that long journey? To me, it's grit, resilience, proper expectations, and, and a knowledge that it's a journey. And more than, in my opinion, more than half the fun of it is the journey itself. Yeah. The yeah. confidence that you get in yourself, the commitment, the pride, everything else that you, you achieve at when you, when you are finally successful um, at it is, is what you're shooting for. But you got you to gotta have the grit and resilience to know I'm not going to be perfect every day. I'm not going to sound that terrific you know, playing the guitar in the very beginning and just keep going, keep going and enjoy the journey as you're going on. Yeah. What I hear underpinning all of that too, is that self-awareness piece you were talking about earlier, because a lot of times, at least what I found in my athletic career was that it's not always about fundamentals or like learning the actual like technique or the play or the whatever. A lot of times it's the things that you can't see, like things that are kind of happening beneath the surface? What is driving you to maybe not want to go into the gym that day? Or what might be driving you from being distracted, from being really focused on whatever you're trying to learn or perfect or whatever? It's, I think, just being really self-aware of, you know, and understanding yourself, like what's, what's happening, what's going on, where's that coming from? What, what might be driving that? Again, that curiosity um, with that self-awareness, I think helps you build that resilience, helps you build you know, all those things you were talking about, because if we're not aware of what's going on in here, I don't know how we expect to be fully engaged or connected or aware of what's going on outside of us. Um, so I think there's also that component, that self-awareness that we were talking about that I think just scares a lot of people. And it's fascinating to me. Um, obviously as coaches, we help people with that, but it's fascinating. Yeah, well, that's why when I talk to a potential client and they say, yeah, I want to be an entrepreneur and a business owner. Oh, that's terrific. Why? Mm -hmm. Why do you want to be that? You know, uh, is it a joy and a passion that you enjoy or, or do you have a lot of belief in a particular um, uh, what's the word I'm look, looking for? Um, a, a belief in a certain way the world should be that you want to change that's driving you. What is driving you to want to do that? Because 
uh, as somebody who's been in business for a number of years and different forms of entrepreneurship, it's not an easy journey. So you have to have the things that we just talked about, right? Grit, resilience, um, expectations, and so forth, because it's not an easy road. And you need those skills to get you through the bumps in the road in your journey to be an entrepreneur or a business owner or a leader of a corporation or whatever from that perspective. So I try to get to the root early because if I ask some questions and you're not understanding those things, then we got a lot of work to do to get you to, to that point, or maybe you might want to consider doing something else because you just don't have the skills yet. So not to say you can't develop them, but you don't have the skills yet to be successful in what is a long, arduous journey. Yeah. Like you said, it is a journey. And to me, it always feels like a lifelong journey. It's not, I think we're always constantly, I always say we're being invited to come back to take a look at these things that are tough. How can we create more win-wins, you know, more of that balance, more of that congruence, maybe with others and with teams and bring people together. I think we're always being almost tested or invited right back into, all right, let's see, you've got some new skills. How are you going to handle this situation? And I look at it like almost like a, it's, it's testing me in some way. Like, all right, Jen, let's see where you're at now. Let's see where you're at. What's what skills maybe you still need to develop. What do you do really, really well? Um, and just keep coming back to that and just keep really working with it. Um, I find for me, someone who has a very strong inner critic, um, that helps framing it in that way where it's not like a, Oh, Jen, you did terrible. And you're never going to be you know, good at this one thing, like try to find a way that works for you to help kind of build some more of that resilience, that grit, um, in a way that doesn't necessarily reinforce always, um, maybe bad habits that you have. Cause I could see when you said grit, like for me, I could see that if I let it get out of balance or out of like too much, like mm-hmm. it could reinforce some really negative thought patterns for me of, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. Right. Like, Oh, I just have to do this and force myself. Right. Um, that's why for me, it just feels like it always comes back to that self-awareness piece and just being really mindful of your own thoughts, your triggers, where you're going, what's fueling all of that. Um, yeah. That's why, why for me, it always comes back to mindset Mm -hmm. and to one of my favorite conversations in the world I love to do with people over a glass of wine is why are, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Why are you a human being on this earth? Do you think? Wow. Are it's you amazing. here to grow? Are you, are, are, are you a biological animal that's just here to survive? and procreate or is it something much more beyond that where where are you on that spectrum if you will because that's going to have a major input and this is where i try to get with clients too is it's going to have a major input into your life journey your life strategy and so forth mm-hmm. yeah that's a great question. Why are, yeah. Why are you here? Cause I mean, that can be different for everybody. And, mm-hmm. um, I think really understanding that I think is a good there's foundation. only a right answer for you. You're 
the answer that Jennifer has compared to the answer that Andy has is is different for two very different, unique individuals. So there's there's not it's not to say, hey, pay me a hundred dollars and I'll give you the answer to why you're here. It's it's more of just planting the seed and having somebody always thinking and asking that about themselves as they go through their life journey. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. I might steal that question next time I'm sitting down with someone over a glass of <laughs> wine. Be, be my be, be my why glass. are you here? What well, yeah, because I mean it's fascinating. I mean, it's already it's got me thinking a lot. And, and, and we right go now. back to the early part of our conversation about the the layers, right? You know, talking about layers mm-hmm. of success, you can have layers of um, that question, right? So why am I here on this earth is the big hundred thousand foot level. We used to say an aviation question. Um, and you can bring it down the altitude, so to speak of it down to, well, why are you in San Jose, California? Why, why am I in Atlanta, Georgia? Why are you at this restaurant tonight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. I think the more, I think it's important to start. I always call it my North star. It's like, yeah, understanding what drives me and what kind of that hundred thousand foot view is and where I want to go. But then, yeah, as you get further down kind of more nuanced, you can understand in this moment, what do I want to do? Or why am I here? Or what can I do differently? Or what skill do I want to develop? But it always comes back for me, at least getting back down to that grounded level of, okay, what can I do right now? Um, that's something that I know helps me a lot because I can get very kind of swept away in the hundred thousand foot view. Of, yeah. You know, I, I would really, you know, I want to make an impact on the world and I want to heal mm-hmm. and I want to do all these things. And then I go, I don't know what any of that means. So it's helpful for me to get really rooted and kind of grounded in what am I going to do in this moment? That's aligned to that hundred thousand foot view. Um, That's a, a why is one of my favorite words in the English language. Yeah. Why? Because as, yeah. as a leader, uh, you're not going to get engagement um, and have influence with your team unless you're answering the question why all the time. Uh, the company mm-hmm. just came out with a new policy or here, here's our 2023 strategy for the year. Okay, mm-hmm. why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important. If, if you can get your team members to see the, the, the reasons why we're doing the strategy and see how they fit into the strategy, both uh, uh, overall for your team and they as individuals, you'll get a ton of engagement. That's creating a win-win right there, right? That's just creating the win-win right there. So for a leader, the word why is extremely important, both outwardly looking to your team and so forth, but also looking inside yourself to say, well, why am I a leader? Yeah. And yeah. you don't have to have a title to be a leader. So if you're an influential leader within the company without necessarily having a big title behind it, well, why are you that way? And why are you doing that? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love, I love kind of contemplating that why. And that's part, one part of my reflection practice often is kind of really tuning into that why and making sure to come back to that as often as I can because again, with that alignment for me, it, it helps me stay on track too. And I go, okay, why am I doing this? Like, what's, what's the end goal? What can I do right now? 
where do I hope to be? A question I like to ask myself is in three years, if I look back on this decision or this choice or whatever it is, am I going to regret it? Is it going to be something that I really regret doing or not doing or, and having those practices just to really be able to kind of have the view, but keep yourself really grounded in that. Why, what you're going to do in this moment. And then just sometimes it's about just having the courage to take that next step too. Um, you know, we can get caught up. I know a lot of, I can get caught up for sure. It's one of my parts of myself that I've developed where I can get really bogged down in the why, like I could ask why forever. And it drives Mm -hmm. my therapist crazy. She's like, Jennifer, you don't always need to know why. Um, so again, I think it's also about, at least for me, from my standpoint is also finding a way to really ground yourself and just having kind of a line of sight on that why, and really making that clear, but then doing some of the things every day to just kind of start moving you towards and in alignment with that, that why, um, very powerful. I think it helps create that win-win too with others and feels uh, there's an authenticity to that as well, that I think is a great skill set for any leader to have, um, especially creating a win-win. Mm-hmm. Um, we're coming up towards the end of the show. So I wanted to just leave with a thought from you. So if there's a listener out there listening, going, wow, that's really great. Talks about a lot of stuff. I want to create more win-wins. What is like the first thing you would recommend somebody do to start creating more of those win-wins? Well, first of all, win-win denotes that you're not the only player in it. You know, if you're, if you're in the arena, somebody else is in the arena. So it goes back to our earlier part of our conversation, right? About understanding the definition of success, what what kind of goals, aspirations the other person has, you know, as a leader, here's a good thought. It just came to mind. So oftentimes if I had people coming to visit my team in my office, you know, and I was in a remote office within Boeing, there weren't, weren't a lot of Boeing people in, in the building. And I would often invite people to come visit with my team and see where we could find the win-wins. So we would all gather around the table and sit down and grab our cups of coffee or whatever. And the first question uh, I would ask, looking at the leader on the other side of the table of the team is to say, you know, first of all, thanking them for, for coming and spending time with myself and my team. I would ask the question, uh, what does success look like for you today? and understand what it is from their side. I'd already have a sense, and I always state what what it was on our side. And then all of a sudden you have a teammate on the other side that understands what success looks on each side. And then you have the opportunity to put together a a very quick, simple strategy for the day to try and achieve the win-win for each other. But if you don't if you don't ask a question, then you're making assumptions or you don't care. And it's just all about you and your team and getting out of it what you want. So once again, it's a it's a why, it's a mindset and so forth. As you're walking in, are you trying to find the win-win for each and therefore build trust and credibility and an emotionally safe environment and a great culture of the day or 
culture between the two teams if you're going to be working um, together with each other. But it, it all starts with that just simple question. What does success look like for you today? I love that. And it, it actually got my mind really spinning because I was thinking and reflecting on how many times we've had offsites, you know, back when we all got together, um, we've had team meetings, we've had all pro- team projects that we would meet in person for. And how many times, yeah, did we just kind of tell, instruct people, well, this is what we're going to get out of today. And could we have really taken a moment to ask people, well, what are your goals for today? What's most important to you? Um, I think that's a really powerful. You also have to be prepared for the fact that they state this grandiose (laughs) statement. And it sounds like uh, we're only here for, you know, eight hours. And it sounds like it might take us all week to get it. And then you have to get into a negotiation conversation to try and get something that's both parties can agree on realistic in, a, in an eight hour, hour work day. So it may take a little bit of work to sort of finish that conversation, but at the end, you're all sort of aligned and gathered around, if you will, a common enemy, so to speak, which is <laughs> conquering the day to, right. to get to the win-win. And all of a sudden you've got a, a teamwork environment around the table to go, to go after it because you've got yeah. agreement as to what success looks like. It's fantastic. I love that. I've learned so much from you today, just in our <laughs> short conversation. I have, you know, why are you here? Which I'm telling you the next time I have like drinks with somebody, I'm going to ask them that. And um, yeah, I mean, I love even, I'm going to take that back to my leader and propose that, um, you know, if we're having meetings, can we start with the what does success look like for you today? Um, yeah, I, I love that I, question. And a conversation stands out with um, a gentleman and his team in another part of Boeing that I really had some difficulties with because we are both trying to get the, the governments of the world to um, incorporate a, um, a new GPS-based technology. And I finally got an agreement to come visit with my team, look at what we do and so forth and try and figure out ways that we can work together. And they had some very aha moments from the conversation of difficulties and struggles internal within Boeing that we've been asking for in terms of resources and so forth to get this done. It was a huge win-win for me, but I started with that question. Yeah and got a tremendous win-win out of it. And all of a sudden we became teammates and really started working together to get some penetration in the world with this new technology. But prior to that, we were almost internal competitors Yeah. Uh, from that perspective. So um, I think continue about how to use detrimental that, that Think about how detrimental that would also be to the business though. I see that a lot too, where there's a lot of internal competition, a lot of internal oh, yeah. silos and for it, resources and yeah. pride and ego and constantly uh, popularity in the industry. Oh, there was so, so much, yeah. you know, so much involved in, in that. Can't tell you, my, my boss and I went to Seattle so many times trying to conquer that thing. And I finally was able to crack, uh, crack that nut, so to speak, by getting the right people in the room and just asking that question and pe- start peeling the onion layers back mm-hmm. from that perspective that they, they made all kinds of assumptions that were untrue. And we were able yeah. to uncover those and really get some momentum behind us at that point. But 
Yeah. It goes back to everything we talked about in this, this conversation about trust and vulnerability and openness and, you know, what does success look like and looking for the win-win. So to, to take this 30, 45 minutes, I don't know how much time we spent in this conversation, but to put a big bow on it, so to speak, at the end here, there, that example has just about everything we've talked about in this conversation wrapped in it. Yeah, that was a very powerful example. Um, and I'm telling you, I'm going to take that into my organization and propose some ideas around it because I love, love that idea. Well, feel free to plagiarize it. Plagiarize the hell out of it. <laughs> thank you thank I'm just, you i'm just glad i've generated some value in your day and hopefully in your team yeah in just 30 yeah minutes. that's what i'm here for no that's awesome i love it so to wrap things up and thank you for your time today i wanted to ask you a few of my uh questions that i do at the end um just mm -hmm. to get to know you a little bit more um and the first question is what is your favorite book on your bookshelf um so your listening audience might have been able to decipher this from our conversation, but I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan. So his big bestseller, you know, on the book of why is my is my old all-time favorite, just because I've I've had those feelings and thoughts in my career, so to speak. And then here's a book that finally put everything I believed in and thought about through my career in one simple book. And I really wish I had written it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but I was glad, I was glad at least somebody in this world had written it and, and it's gaining some popularity and momentum because it's uh, such a powerful book. Yeah. Our whole leadership team has read that. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a good book. Um, last question is, Tell us about a person that has impacted you and how have they impacted your life? Um, the one I talk about the most was um, an executive coach. Her name's Raina Bach out of Denver. Great executive coach. Um, I was fortunate enough that Boeing um, offered it to the ranks of the very sort of the very top of middle management and the bottom of the executive level where I was sitting um, sort of mid-career. Um, she's based in Denver. I was based in Atlanta, but I went to Denver six, seven times a year. So I'd say 80, 90% of my trips I made to Denver in a year, we get together over breakfast at a, uh, uh, it was a waffle place. I can't remember the name of it, but she's the one that really peeled the onion layer back and saw that I sort of had a, a victim slash, um, what's the term they use? It's just a given mindset that, that the world's going to do what the world's going to do to me. Mm. You know, I, uh, prior to that, I had a, a journey of self-esteem problems through high school and college that affected my first marriage. And, you know, talking about grit and everything else and doing the hard stuff, I went into therapy, said, this is not the life I want for myself. And I'm willing to do the hard work to get the change done. And I did. Um, but I, at that point, I wouldn't say I was 100% healed. Mm. You know, maybe 75 or so. And she helped clo close the... Um, that gap to 100% for me, the very last thing that I had to do, which was 
truly own my life, to be <clears throat> uh, the CEO of my life and say, you're the only one that's going to do it. You can ask for a supporting cast. You can ask for help. You can ask for fans to be in your arena. Mm -hmm. uh, but you got to do the work yourself. Yeah. And that set the course that in part of why I wanted to be a coach was to pay it forward from what was done for me. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it, you know, I often say that we have too many thought leaders. We have too many, um, gurus out there. We need more healers, those people that can come into our lives to help us bridge that gap and to help us resolve whatever it is we need to resolve to, or to see something new in a different way. Um, that's beautiful that you're able to have that experience. And, um, and it, it does take some curiosity. I, mean, I, had, to, I had to do mm -hmm. some curiosity about who I am, answer that question of why are you here? Um, and I, I don't care what, if you will, structure system you look at, whether it be a religious structure or astrology, human design. I mean, there's just a number of different structures out there that try to describe life and personality and the why of your life and everything. And every time I was curious and went and studied a different one about myself, I came out with the same answer that yeah. uh, I'm sort of an old soul in this world that is here to heal. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. We, like I said, I feel like we need more of that and more healers out there doing work to help heal heal people. And also I believe heal organizations. I feel like what I see a lot in the workplace is just that unhealed kind of traumas and reinforced negative thought patterns, behaviors, like how can we all contribute a little bit to that healing? Um, so I thank you for the work that you do with people to help them on that journey. And it was such a pleasure today, Andy, getting to know you and talking about the win-win and some things we can do to help maybe create more healers out in the world so that, you know, it makes it just a better place. Um, before we go, I'd love, where can people contact you? How can they find you out on the web? Uh, well, the best place is, is my website, www.generateyourvalue.com. Uh, you can find out more about me, access to um, my podcast, which is under the same name uh, as my company name. I do with a co-host. Uh, and so forth. I'm, I'm on all the major social platforms, but generateyourvalue.com is the best place to start. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure to include that in the show notes as well so that people can connect with you if they're interested in learning more or just connecting with you in general. So I appreciate your time, Andy, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I greatly appreciate your time, your invitation, and uh, keep generating your value as well.